Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westman demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. And today we're talking a movie from 1981 inexplicably Oscar winner for best makeup? No, not inexplicably. An American Werewolf in London. Iris had never seen this movie, and I was aghast. You must have seen it, parts of it, because this was on repeat at home. One of Dad's favorite movies. You have no recollection of anything in this movie? Nope. Like with The Exorcist, I'm watching this movie looking for any cue, any trigger that would suggest that I've seen this before. Nope. Wow. Not a... Maybe you're lucky. Maybe in the year 2023, October, Halloween time at Or Whatever Movies, you got to watch a werewolf classic for the very first time. Werewolf classic, eh? Werewolf classic. Yeah. Huh? Sure. Okay. Werewolf classic. I mean, I'm down for Halloween at Or Whatever Movies 2023, but I ain't down with the American Werewolf in London. Let's hear it. What's the problem? (laughs) This movie sucks and has not aged well. Are you crazy? I'm guessing that you found the transformation scene so horrific that they went from scary to funny to you had to laugh to like reassure yourself so you wouldn't be traumatized. It's very uncomfortable, especially when his hand stretches. Why are werewolves' hands all long? The palms are like extremely exaggerated. It's all brightly lit and you see every aspect of it. I was a little amazed at how they elongated his face. That's a That was a pretty effective special effect shot. Yep, Rick Baker is a legend. But when he's in his full, when the werewolf has reached its full form and it's running in the streets and stuff. Yep. It's very Muppety, puppety. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, Uh, it's just a dog. It's just like a giant fluff ball with some eyeballs. Well, it's snarling and it's snapping at people and it's biting people's heads off. It bit bit the police chief's head (laughs) off, which goes, it's absolute chaos in Piccadilly Circus. There's screaming and car crashes and people flying through the windows and the thing is shrieking and tearing through the crowd and it's just hysteria and I love it. Yep, that's one of your metrics, that things have to absolutely go out of control. And they do. Piccadilly Circus is a great location for that. Good location for like a peep show. Yeah, apparently uh, it was cartoons by the time he wrote the screenplay. And then 10 years later when he went back, all the theaters in Piccadilly Circus were porno theaters. Back to the Future also, when he crashes the DeLorean into the theater, it's an American orgy. Oh, yeah. And it's like triple X on the marquee. Must have been a thing in the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, (laughs) 
I was like you watching Joyride. I was like stone faced <laughs> the whole way. But then, <laughs> despite myself, burst out with laughter in the adult movie theater when he goes, "Good movie." <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty genius, and I think that was the only moment of the film that captured the tone that the filmmakers were going for. They're kids. They're just, Jack and David are just kids. They're idiots, and they're roaming around. They get into a terrible situation. They would think that that movie, See You Next Wednesday, is a good movie. (laughs) Okay. Fair (laughs) enough, I guess. It was funny. Like, you know how I am. Comedy does, it's really hard for a comedy to land with me. They're few and far between. I think this is my, this is definitely my favorite horror comedy, if you can consider it that. John Landis doesn't think so. He doesn't understand why people continually say it's a comedy first. There are funny elements. As with any good movie, there's funny elements, but he doesn't consider it a comedy. But this is the only one that I love. This one stuck with me. And I think because, I mean, they're talking about girls and Debbie Klein and all this stuff. and, And they're being just like dumb kid dudes. But it starts in pretty horrifically. And the moors and stuff, was it, that was always tough for me as a kid. Dad tormented me with this movie. I found the moors scene terrifying. Like, to this day, no sound makes me shiver and is scarier to me than when that wolf howls on the moors. It has a good howl. Oh. Definitely scary. It sends chills up my back as a full-blown adult. <laughs> I mean... I had my fair share of being tortured with movies in our household, but I don't remember <laughs> this one. What did dad like about this movie? Um, I think he liked the more. But honestly, isn't this a dad kind of movie? I don't know if you remember the going to Yellowstone dad where he had the puffy jackets and the aluminum frame backpacks. And he and George would hike in and like get all freezing yeah. and he'd have to save George's life and a moose would come out of the brush. And the ranger bursting through the brush with, on a horse and being like rogue grizzly nearby. Every time I see that puffy jacket and those backpacks, I think of dad and George hiking one in red and one in green. And I wonder which one of them would become the werewolf like the thing. <laughs> but he never went to Europe. That was a mom thing. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's Yellowstone is as wild a place like the Moors. But this is the the European equivalent. It's the kids who don't belong there. I'm not sure that dad and George were qualified to just like wander off because dad tells the story of George's hypothermia and how they both would have died or whatever if it hadn't been for quick thinking or dad having a candy bar that he sneaks into his sleeping bag and the bear comes snuffling around and stuff. These, <laughs> these dumbass kids never appreciate anything you do for them. Mr. Kessler, I can appreciate how upsetting this is for you. And Mr. Kessler. And then he leaves and he's like saying that the kids never appreciate anything. Oh, yeah. Right after they told him that his friend died. Yeah, yeah. But he was also watching the Muppets and that you said it was Muppety. Get it? That's Frank Oz, who does Miss Piggy and is the most famous Muppeteer after Jim Henson. Muppeteer? Is that a word? Yeah, dude. Come on. Get with it. Yeah. Frank Oz credited as Mr. Collins and slash Miss Piggy. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And right next to Jim Henson, who is credited as Kermit the Frog. He has no hand in the puppeteering of this movie. Get it, hand? Uh... Man, I'm on fire today. Well, warm up because it's about to get chilly in here. Ch- Uh-oh. Come on. It was a great Halloween movie. One of my favorite Halloween party movies. And this was one of the movies because the, all these Halloween parties were in mom and dad's big living room. And this was one of the ones where they <laughs> wandered in. So they ate the food and they sat down, I swear, in true form, just exactly during the porno theater scene. 
And it was the most uncomfortable oh thing God. ever. Dead silence in the party. Mom and dad came in and ate their little hot dog during See You Next Wednesday. Oh, so awkward. Oh, my God. Oh. But it's not like it's not like something that they had completely out of context. And you're saying the dad had this basically on repeat. I watched this movie as much as I could on VHS uh, without dad around as well. Because of the boobies? Not at all. Because those are some mighty jugs. Honestly, like you're saying that and I'm trying to picture it. And all I picture is the big dude with the mustache being like, oh, I'm sorry. And like leaving. I don't remember <laughs> the sexy scenes. You can't counterbalance the sexy stuff, much like comedy and horror. You can't really balance it when you have a rotting corpse next to David in the theater. <laughs> Like that theater with the pornos, that's his entire catalog of victims. Remember, she's like the, talking about all the ways that he could kill himself. And the guy's like, let him hang. And then Jack's like, he's my friend. Come on, don't hang yourself. You could do it wrong. And then choke to death. And they're all happy and bloody and like, kill yourself. Yay. Yeah, that's the lady. I'm telling you, I guess at the time, prepubescence, the boobs don't mean anything. It was much more about the horror and the scary. But also, if this was a TV edit, which I'm sure it was, I'm sure we ripped this on a VHS at some point, then the boobs were already edited out. So the first time I went to London with you, we went down to the tubes and all I was thinking was American Werewolf in London. Because the tubes have been around for like 100 years and they, ha they, don't, they haven't changed at all. It's still all the same tile. There might be more advertising and stuff, but the structure is the same. And I was like, there are werewolves down here. <laughs> I, di I didn't communicate this to you? You may have in between raging at the tubes and how hot it was down there. Remember, they were like, ice cream. Yeah. Ice cream. Want some free carnation ice cream? Right. We went to London in the middle of like a historic heat wave and they were passing out ice cream. And I was skeptical. Like, no, you're not going to pull some tourist scam where you hand me ice cream and it's poisoned and then you rob me or whatever. It was so hot to Londoners. They were just handing out free water and ice cream. <sighs> We took the the hot melted ice cream, and then when we missed the tube narrowly, like by seconds, the doors closed literally on us as we were coming down to the platform. You threw the, t <laughs> you slammed the ice cream on the tube and like frightened all the people inside of it. <laughs> Look, people need context. I'm not a madman or a werewolf. I was very hot, and Iris has this thing when she drags me around cities in Europe where she just didn't we for some reason walk or tube like seven miles to go to the freaking zoo in the middle of a heat wave <laughs> we missed the, the train zoo? by seconds and i was very uncomfortable and just wrecked at that point and i may have punched the window of the tube with my with the ice cream in my hand you don't know and all the people like looked at us as the tube pulled <sighs> out of the station like all terrified right but that was residual associative fear because they fear werewolf attacks on the subway as do i subways are inherently forever a creepy place because of this movie also because, if you'll recall, there were no trash cans anywhere. People were just setting their ice cream containers on the walls and stuff. Because I think less than a year prior, the, un the tube suffered a bombing. So maybe, oh. yeah, I was basically a terrorist and those people had no idea why I was punching the train and they very much wanted to get away from me. <laughs> That's true. It was a very effective scene with all of the empty hallways and kind of the echoing and the claustrophobia and the... 
I think he falls face first on the escalator, which <sighs> I was like, ouch, geez. Papers going everywhere. And he's just in, so incapacitated that the freaking werewolf that crawls into frame, which is like my favorite shot, the really far, the the, the wide shot where the, the werewolf's torso comes into view. That thing is huge and f- like, oh, man. And menacing. So that was uh, that was good. But then when they were in the theater and one of the victims suggests that he throws himself in front of a tube, uh-huh. I was so out of the movie at that point that I went down a tube rabbit hole where I was like, why do they call it the tube? Because <laughs> the train itself is not the tube. You're the, just daydreaming? The hole is the tube. And the train goes through the tube. So you can't throw yourself in front of the tube if unless the train is the tube. Why are they appropriating the name tube for the train itself? During the movie, you were just daydreaming. Yes, because I'm like, what? what is happening or why is it important? Like, is the love story between Nurse Price and Mr. Kessler important? Does it have resonance with you? She's like, I've had six lovers and three of them have been one night stands and you're going to be the fourth one night stand and I love you. And he's like, I love you, Alex. I love you. But stay away from me. He's not a one night stand. She's torn between feeling sorry for him and finding him terribly attractive. What's yeah, wrong with you? It's the it's the Florence Nightingale effect. Why do you hate love? I think that part plays partly into the idea of why this was a comedy, I guess. It was an unlikely romance in the middle of a horrific horror story. Some of that stuff didn't particularly ring true to me as an adult. Why or how did David get down into the tube? He wasn't down there to try to kill himself. That took place before that. It was establishing the tube as maybe a way they could kill him. A hunting ground? It was just a hunting ground for him? Maybe, but that's it seemed awfully deserted. And he, uh, it doesn't seem like he was concerned about privacy or secrecy. As evidenced by the Piccadilly Circus attack, he was okay to kill anybody anywhere, whether they be hooligans supposedly in the park or in the tube or whatever. He just killed totally at will. That's because David goes away and the werewolf completely takes over and he tells this to Alex. He's like, I don't remember anything. In fact, I feel great. And he's all pumped. And then she goes and tries to rationalize with the werewolf. (laughs) I mean, I'll be honest, there was a little part of my heart that wanted true love to triumph and for him, for her to get through to him. And maybe for a moment he did when his nose becomes less wrinkled. But then he wants to kill her and rip her apart almost immediately after. You don't know. Maybe he was, he knew that there could never be a love between them. And so he lunged at her to provoke the police to attack. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was a fake lunge, a suicide lunge. Oh, so he was too cowardly to commit suicide, but he mustered the courage to let them kill him. Yeah, with enough strength to affect his own demise and thereby save the woman he loves. However, the, what you're talking about is the unda- the most comic element of the movie. And that is after the most untrue thing in this movie that rings the most untrue to me, even as a kid. When he goes on a, a rampage and then wakes up in the zoo as though he fell asleep and animal control was called because of a stray puppy or something. And they were like, too big to be a puppy. Put him in with the wolves, I figure. And they like nestled him in the straw or whatever. And he woke up to the wolves licking his face or something. That's pretty <laughs> unrealistic. But that sets up the uh, the longest, the most sustained comedy scene in the movie, which is him running around. A naked American man stole my balloons, you know, and stealing the coat. And, and <laughs> That I'm was the... so creepy. The voice in the bushes right but that would not fly today dude it wasn't 
you could play that off as an edit, right? But in the full movie, in real life, he walks out butt naked, covering his junk ineffectually and takes the balloons from that kid and runs away. <laughs> Only in John Landis's 1981. Is David Naughton, strangely attractive and sad. <laughs> you got me, but he's very naked and it's disturbing. This is the epitome of body horror to me. Just like Ooh. horrific things happening in stark light with him stark naked. I don't, he doesn't register as cute to me. I mean, I guess he was a cute kid. He was the Dr. Pepper kid. Oh, that's how he got his start. No, well, he wasn't really a kid. As he, as he had like a song in the Dr. Pepper commercial, and that's where John Landis saw him. He didn't want anybody. People, get this, people wanted Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd after John Landis did the Blues Brothers to be Jack and David. And he was like, nope, then we're going to go somewhere completely different. So he got two relative unknowns. Huh. That would have been a different movie. Was it because they were too big? Maybe, but I also don't know. Well, I guess Dan Aykroyd could have worked as David, but he never registered as a cutie for me because he sprouts fangs and, and tears people apart. Hmm. But but kind of. <laughs> Maybe in like an 80s kind of way, but it made Alex's love for him all the more perplexing. And her dynamic with her doctor is so bizarre. He's so strange and dismissive of his nurses. But then he's like totally fine with the fact that David is at her flat. She's like, he's in my place. He's, like doesn't even question the fact that she took him home. He's practical. And and this was the 80s. Doesn't he like smoke in his office at one point? Probably. And they have all these um, like a, they have like an IV drip bag stand <laughs> in his office just to like be like, he's medical. He's a doctor. Come on. I think he wear doesn't he wear the, he doesn't wear his overcoat, doctor's overcoat to the slaughtered lamb. But in my mind, that's how I picture him being like a small Guinness, please. And he's got his stethoscope. <laughs> and then there's the, um, and I was super creeped out when the, I'm assuming that's the son waiting for him outside to have a word. But, but I think he's, I thought that he was just there to make sure that he actually left. Like he was standing guard. I didn't get, I'm here to have a word with you kind of vibes. Did you? Yes. Well, I mean, it's hard for me to say because that's what it's always been to me. But he left and then waited for him outside to spill the town's secrets which the other dude was pretty unhappy about. But he was the one who had qualms. You can't just let them go, you know? No, 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 no. The dart player and the chess player were both happy to let them go and get slaughtered on the moors. It was the barmaid that was, or matron, who was not okay with that. But then I think that the dart player has guilt about it later and wants to spill the beans. Are the dart player and the chess player related? <laughs> That's racist, number one. They're just British what? countryside dudes. I don't know. I don't think so. But... <laughs> But that dart player, maybe what he's authority? What authority did the chess player have over the dart player then that he could shut him down like that? Because he can kick his ass. That's like column or whatever. You, if he gets out of line, you just set him straight. <laughs> or he's not allowed back in the slaughtered lamb. Was that a Banshees of Inishirin reference? Not necessarily. It's just like this leader of the wolf pack or whatever. And he was not it. The wolf pack. That dude, he was scary because I was a kid. And David and Jack are kids, but they were considerably older kids than I was when I was watching this movie. So that dude, he's like, you made me miss, was terrifying to me. I, like the stakes. He's like, I've never missed that. You, that board before you made me miss. And I was like, that dude is a murderer. 
Well, there was, I definitely did think that the pentangle was not intended to ward off the werewolf, but rather their symbol of werewolfness and that they were all werewolves. They were just a coven of wolves. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) That makes sense. Doesn't that make sense that they're all isolating themselves and they're jolly and they enjoy their pub life when they're not werewolves, but then they all transform by the moonlight? Exactly. But that's your history of werewolf movies, which followed this movie. The the genre was dead. And no pun intended, I guess, if we're connecting that to Jack. But there was the Wolfman and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then werewolf movies weren't a thing for a long time. And then all of a sudden, 81 comes around and you have The Howling in January, an American werewolf werewolf in London in August and all of a sudden the 80s were full of horror uh, werewolf movies because of this movie and I guess to some extent that movie a movie I do not like very much The Howling but it was one of those Dante's Peak volcano slash Armageddon slash Deep Impact kind of movies one of those years where there were two movies of the same type all of a sudden don't forget Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. A little bit later. Also, oh, hey, that's a horror comedy. No, there's, that's more comedy than horror. 1985. What was that werewolf movie that we watched recently? That was kind of comedy-ish. Ugh. Well, there was The Wolf of Snow Hollow. There that's was it. Were- the Wolf of Snow Hollow. But that wasn't the comedy. Well, that was a comedy. It tried to be, unfortunately. But Werewolves Within was probably closer to a comedy. Oh, right, right, right. The Wolf of Snow Hollow and Werewolves Within. Werewolves Within was the one where it was at the hotel, like the whodunit at the hotel. Right. Both of which, I have to say, absolutely pale in comparison to an American werewolf in London. I mean, this has got to be all nostalgia for you because... All of it. Despite what people say, this thing holding up, it's just kind of plodding and the comedy I get is supposed to be subtle, dare I say maybe even British, but does not land. And the special effects just can't compare to today's special effects. Landis does not land. You can't use that as a poster quote because I will not I will not have you say negative things about this movie on the poster. I'm going to use it as a poster quote and I'm going to credit it to you. No. Yep. I was quoting you. Yeah, thanks for giving me the line. It was a good one. No, yet Landis doesn't land. I did not howl with laughter. (laughs) Uh, I did not experience this as a, a transformative horror comedy. Man, maybe it was me just as a kid. But it was so unhinged. The Piccadilly scene, the original Moore scene was so scary. And you don't see the monster and it's circling them and howling and growling and stuff. But dude, the Nazi zombie dreams and the all the running around the woods and stuff, that stuff didn't freak you out. <laughs> wow. I think you're really reaching now. Oh, man. The Nazi zombies are the craziest. Thing. She goes to open the drapes and she gets stabbed and it's like plunging the blade into her chest. And the thing they're like going Aah! and like shooting Uzis all over David's house and cut his. Oh, man, that was horrific. It's one of those loss of control home invasion kind of nightmares. Oh. Uh, and it's all a dream. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, is it excessive? Absolutely. But is it also Oscar worthy for really going there with special effects? Man. I think the first, because at first he's just kind of bloody, but then he gets all gang, like all rotten looking. Yeah. But I do think that was the only scare that worked was when he shows up in the, uh, medicine cabinet mirror. I wonder if it invented that trope, like in the mirror, because it's the first one I remember. And every time I've seen it since, I'm like, oh, it's like they stole it from American Werewolf in London. But that by by no means is probably the first one, right? Well, let's let's call on the nerds. Who who are the nerds? Okay, you guys going to let us know in the comments? Yeah, (laughs) 
<laughs> Let us know. Is there a medicine cabinet scare that precedes, that predates Amer- an American werewolf in London? Let us know. 818-350-4473 or whatever moves at gmail.com. Apparently very effective back back then, still effective today. I mean, IMDb, nine-star rating, still funny and frightening after all these years. I get it, but I don't, I really don't think if you come into this cold, if you come into this without the nostalgia. It's like Disneyland. You were just too old when you went to Disneyland for the first time, if we're equating it to this movie. And the magic is lost on you, man. If there's magic at all. Do you know why I'm surprised that you don't like An American Werewolf in London, which I consider to be the greatest horror comedy of all time? And to tip my review, and absolutely totally, for Halloween season <gasps> 2023. What? Oh, wow. man. This movie is so... I've watched this movie countless times. Kelly Ray hates this movie. You hate this movie. Oh, it's so good. Love it. Big, fat, boring, with a capital B. You know why you should like this movie? I've decided. No, mansplain I'm... it to me. <laughs> How is it mansplaining it to you? I'm asserting my opinion on my movie podcast. You're asserting your opinion about why I don't like it. Go ahead. No, I'm saying why you should like it because An American Werewolf in London is the Jerry Maguire of werewolf movies. <laughs> what? David is a big brunette cutie, I guess, so says you, who during the most trying time in his life meets the woman that he loves, spends the entire movie wrestling with the, the, the massive change that he's undergone in his life. And then eventually the new David, the new like the new Jerry, wins over and he finds his place in the, the new life that he's created for himself. Wow, the horror comedy tragedy version of Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Without Tom Cruise? Right, I guess Jack is the Rod Tidwell character, or is he more like Bob Sugar? Mm, he's definitely not the villain. He's the Rod Tidwell character because instead of like, you know, show me the money and give me the quan, he's like, kill yourself, David. Right? What's in his best interest? Yes, exactly. Man. He's the he's the motivating force. And you loved Jerry Maguire so thoroughly, I do. spoiler, that you assigned a totally rating for that movie for me. I did. And it is a totally. I stand yeah. by that. I agree. An American Werewolf in London is a totally. Nope. It's a big, fat, capital B, boring. Harry Maguire. Howley Harry Maguire. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> Harry Maguire is better. <sighs> because it's an absolute fantasy what happens with Alex, right? That doesn't happen. This is every dude's dream that some nurse is just going to be like, I pity you. Let's have sex. And you're like, yay. It's possible that is a fantasy, but also she's damaged. We know that Nurse Price is crazy, man. She goes for the, the most damaged dude ever. What is it called? The Florence Nightingale effect. She gets with a hapless American lunatic who suffered a tragedy. And in true kid form... He, ha- he suffers a terrible loss and sees his friend murdered in cold blood and sustains an injury. He gets over it pretty quickly and moves on to woo the nurse because he's a kid, because he's a dumb kid. But she was so sweet and like fed him and read to him and stuff. That's good stuff. I was trying to have an open mind. I thought maybe you can convince me over the course of this discussion, but negative. It's a it's a totally from Wes, but a boring for me. And that's our discussion on an American werewolf in London. Hey, is is it worth checking out Paris? No. Oh, my God. If you didn't like this movie, stay away oh. from America. There's nothing for you in American Werewolf in Paris. Stay out. <laughs> okay. Or whatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. 
or whatever movies at gmail.com. We have three years of Halloween programming, 200 plus episodes. Check them out. Subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.